Welcome to the EquipCast for the Archdiocese of Omaha. Designed to help leaders to transform their cultures, to embody the pastoral vision, to be one church, encountering Jesus, equipping disciples, and living mercy. All right, everybody. Welcome to the EquipCast. I am so excited. Two good friends with me here. Father Jeff Lorig in Midtown Omaha, Calvin Mueller, Norfolk, Nebraska. Gentlemen, welcome. How you doing? I'm doing well. Thanks, Jim. So good, Jim. Thank you for finally having me on the EquipCast <laughs> this is with the you first guys. Time and I, yeah, I'm sorry it's been so long. I oh no, was, I don't I mind at ex- all. This is I great. was out of excuses. Calvin, we're gosh, favorite people, favorite topic. We're gonna we're gonna talk about the power of small groups today. Calvin, this is like a huge thing in the church. And I'm so excited because this, you know, small groups have been very close to our lives. I think we can legitimately say small groups changed our lives. Talk to us a little bit. It's like a trendy thing right now. Like why small groups? Like, why is this a big deal? Why should we be paying attention to this now in the church? There's so much to say about this. And, and Jim, you hit it on the head. It's kind of a trendy thing, but uh, it's, I would say it's trendy because it, it works and it's powerful. And, and I know that to be true in my own life. You know it to be true in your life. And I know it to be true for the people that we've got to journey with. You know, currently in, in the men's group that I'm a part of here in Norfolk, you could, could tell lots of stories. But just thinking back to this last year of, of inviting them into a small group, initially saying, no, you know, that's not something we in Northeast Nebraska do. <laughs> we're, we're not about that. Asking again and, and just having these two individuals say yes. And just in this last year, you know, one of those individuals had, you know, unfortunate situation where their first child died suddenly. Mm. And him just being able to speak to you guys, if it wasn't for this group, if it wasn't for this group of men to be able to journey with, I don't know what I would be going through right now. But just so grateful to be sharing life with you guys and and growing in my dependence on the Lord because I've grown in, you know, just, just sharing, just growing close to the Lord and being able to pray and just not knowing what that looked like prior to being part of our group. You know, and then just recently, another member of our group having their first child and, and being able to... to to share that with this group and rejoice. And, and I'm pretty sure all of our wives are making lasagnas for this individual. And, and just the power of that, being able to, to go through hard stuff, um, but being able to rejoice with a group of people as we journey towards Christ, it's transformative. And it's been huge for, I mean, not just for the members of the group, but for you and Shelby too, right? I mean, this is like, this has been a gift for your lives. Yeah, I, 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 it certainly is. I think we moved back to Northeast Nebraska. Uh, we had lived out in Colorado for a while. And in moving back, we didn't know anyone in the community that we lived in. And so uh, we knew the power of, of needing community around us and the power of small groups. So we just you know, started making invitations to individuals and, and got turned away a lot. And you know, slowly as, as people started saying yes and committing to, you know, to, to, to journeying th- with us you know, through scripture or through a particular resource. Yeah, it's, it's been transformative for our experience here in Northeast Nebraska. I like to, it's like the difference between heaven and hell, you know, mm-hmm. being able to journey with other individuals in the pursuit of Christ is, is a tremendous gift 
One, you know, my wife has a member of her study who just recently said, you know, just, hey, what was the most impactful thing from this last year? And she said, you know, I, I realized the pursuit of Christ alone compared to the pursuit of Christ with other women. And she goes, she did shed. She's like, it's heaven and hell. It's, it's different. It is so powerful being able to journey alongside others in the pursuit of Christ. And yeah, that's what Shelby and I have come to experience. And it, it's transformative for us. Gosh, that that's awesome. I, I realized we jumped like right into this. I didn't even like, by the way, who are you? So, so Kevin, before we, before we go any farther, just we're, we're going to, we are going to talk about small groups and the power and kind of like talk a little bit about like, you know, like where and how to learn more about how to do small groups, but just before we go too much farther, like tell us a little bit about who you are, your faith journey, you know, when you first encountered the Lord. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I grew up in Crofton, Nebraska. So small town up on like the right shoulder or left shoulder of Nebraska, depending how you're looking at it. Would it be the right or the left? I mean, is your why would your back be to the map? How about the east side of Nebraska? <laughs> yeah, so uh, up in Cedar <laughs> County. And uh, I grew up in a, in a household where I was so fortunate to have parents witness to me what it uh, looked like to have a devotion to our Lord. And I would say, you know, set me just up with a, a beautiful foundation um, of, of striving after the Lord and trusting in him. But I would say that the faith came became real for me when I went off to college and had some individuals uh, starting my junior year um, choose to uh, witness to me what it meant to to be a, a faithful Catholic man. And uh, there's a, a long story there. Um, but uh, so grateful that, um, yeah, these men stepped up and chose to witness in, uh, in the faith uh, as, a, as a top priority for them. And, um, and I got to receive the, the, the fruits of that. I think a, a favorite line in the first paragraph of the catechism for me is, you know, Christ calls together all those scattered and divided by sin into the unity of his family, the church. And, and as I think of that, I think, you know, the primary way that he draws all those who are scattered and divided by sin into the church um, is through relationships, you know, through relationships as demonstrated by him making himself available, body, blood, soul, and divinity, you know, in the mass um, and, and how he interacted with the apostles and, and walked and showed them how relationships are how he's going to call us into his unity of the family, the church. Yeah. So these men chose to form relationships with me, invite me into a small group and yeah, it transformed everything. And you were an angel, really. I mean, you were like, kind of like you were lead <laughs> altar boy, right? At the time that they invited you in. Is that the case? Oh, if I remember Jim. right. Uh, some might say far from it. Um, yeah, (laughs) I grateful, grateful for my, uh, parents giving me that foundation. But by the time I was a junior in college, I was, uh, essentially away from the church had stopped, um, attending mass. Yeah. would be very nominal in my face. Um, you know, and I guess there was just like two pivotal moments. One, just meeting this individual, Chris, uh, who, who took an interest and said, you know what, because I believe in relationships, because, um, I see this individual in front of me, I'm going to choose to spend time with him. And that just led to a, a journey of, of him asking me tough questions. You know, Calvin, are you, are you happy? Do you know what it means to pray? Do you want to pray? Do you want to grow in relationship with the Lord? And me having to ask, answer, you know, just some, um, some tough questions you know, that led to me being invited to a men's group, 
joining that men's group, you know, uh, setting myself on, uh, kind of on this journey of just discovering, rediscovering who, who God was. Uh, but I guess two pivotal moments was just one time sitting across from this guy, Darren. And, and as he held up a Bible, uh, we were discussing scripture and a Bible. And at that point, I was like, oh, I don't even know if I really believe this stuff, but I, I believe this guy and, and he, he's a good man. And him just presenting the gospel to me saying like, Calvin, I actually believe that, that Christ came and died for your sins. And because of that, you can live a transformed life. Um, and him saying that, it just was like maybe for the first time in my life, I received the grace to just say, like, I actually believe that too. And in that same sentence, I just said, okay, if I believe that to be true, um, and, and if I actually feel that, if I know that to be true, that that God came and died for me so that I might have full life in him, then that, that needs to change everything. And I just remember looking him in the eyes and I was saying, okay, if that's true, then my life will never be the same and your life will never be the same. And he just smiled and, and, um, and I'll just never forget that day saying like, my life will never be the same from this moment on. And as, you know, this man, Darren, continued to journey with me through this small group, this men's group, um, I just remember another time where I was sitting in an adoration chapel, and it was just myself and the Lord. And Jim, you've been to the, the adoration chapel at UNL. It's very seldom that you're just alone, you and the mm -hmm. Lord. Um, but in that particular moment, I just remember looking around, nobody being there, looking up at um, Jesus in the Eucharist and saying, like, Lord, why, why am I alone here? Why, why is it just me? And him just, you know, speaking subtly to me, you know, Calvin, because I care about you first and foremost. Um, and then because men like yourself have not stepped up in mission and have not pursued souls in my name. And until you do that, this church will continue to be empty. And so, um, you know, those experiences during my college career, I guess, has just set me on the trajectory now to um, to now live and work here in the archdiocese and uh, be in the pursuit of souls and God willing um, uh, have our adoration chapitals not empty. That's awesome. Calvin, tell us, tell us about your family. You're married, right? Living with a fam in Norfolk. Yeah, we just had our, our fourth child, uh, August 30th. So Josie, who is a kindergartner, uh, just went back to kindergarten uh, this last week. Um, and then we have Josie, Gemma, Oliver, and Bosco uh, moved back in uh, August 2018. We uh, yeah, live here in Norfolk. We love it. Okay, so we get to work together, right? You're, you know, like your business card. We knew each other before when we were doing college ministry in focus. And um, we get to work together. Your business card says coordinator of rural evangelization and discipleship. What does that mean? What do you, what do you do? Jim, you're supposed to be the one telling me what that no, means. That's <laughs> not exactly a rhetorical question, yeah. but... That's great. Uh, so I, I would just say, first and foremost, it means that me and my wife try to stay true to our apostolate here at our parish, just living as disciples. And I guess as a working title with my work, I, I would just say my primary goal is to be able to help parishes take the, and, and when I say parishes, just individuals and leaders of those parishes take the next appropriate step to becoming uh, missionary disciples themselves um, and the missional communities that, that Christ is calling them to. Um, so practically that looks like a lot of phone calls, a lot of meetings and uh, meeting up with pastors, different lay leaders, and, you know, just praying about the initiatives that the Lord wants me to enter into to, to help further his mission for the kingdom here um, in Northeast Nebraska. Awesome. We're talking about small groups, just, just the beginning and you shared, you both of us have had pretty profound experiences. Talk a little bit like, what do small groups do? It's, it's kind of become like a, a cool, trendy thing in the church. I mean, you know, depending um, it, just starting to kind of like, you know, 
if, if you want, yeah, if you want to write a, a book or an article, you know, in, in the Catholic church, or, uh, small groups and people are excited mm-hmm. about it, but like, what do small groups do? Like, why should people be excited about it? That's such a good question. And I think we could spend so much time, you know, just discussing that uh, particular question. But I, I would just say at the heart of it, um, I, I just am reminded of a quote from St. John Paul II, where he just says, it's not possible to live and grow in the faith without the support of a group. It's not possible to live and grow in the faith without the support of a group. Hmm. And, you know, I just recently had a, a priest friend of mine start his first small group. And he he gathered together with those eight leaders and he just said, uh, or with those eight individuals. And he just said, hey, um, you know, as we're getting this started, I just want to ask you guys, this is your first time being a part of a, a small group, a men's group? You know, how many of you in this last year in 2020, you know, either had a significant experience, good or bad, where you, um, you didn't have anybody to share that with? And he goes, every single individual raised their hand. And he just said, you know, I've, I've essentially been to, you know, journeying this last year alone, have not had someone to share life with. And what I referenced earlier in, in, in saying that Christ calls together all those scattered and divided by sin into the universe, family, the church. And the primary way he does that is through relationship. Small groups gives us the opportunity to, to really enter into life with individuals, form relationships, um, and, and allows us to live and grow in the faith in a way that I, I don't think is otherwise possible to do when we don't have a consistent and um, intentional way of, of journeying together as a group. Calvin, as a pastor, yep. uh, I uh, support small groups. That's great. Uh, are, are small groups like a program you put on as a pastor that the parish has to run or how does this, is this something I should be doing? So if I'm going to help make disciples, if my job is to help make disciples, which is the great commission, then should I be putting a program together for that? And, and if so, how do I even do it? How do I get started? Or do I just say, do I give a few homilies and like maybe a few Calvins out there in the crowd will say, I'm going to start my own small group. How, how's this work? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, I mean, these are all great questions, by the way. So you don't have to answer with that. (laughs) They're great questions. You guys are so good at asking questions. We wouldn't give you a question. That was question. So (laughs) such a great question. It's a great question, Father Jeff, you turkey. I thought I like, I just got done with Christmas not too long ago and I was with my brothers and they give enough guff for all of us. So I don't need to hear it from you two. All right. <laughs> Anyways, uh, Father Jeff, how, how would you go about getting them started at the parish level or as, as, as a priest? I would say, um, well, f- first off, as, as a pastor, if, if you are going to be um, seeing this as an opportunity for people to connect with each other, grow in relationship with each other and with the Lord, I, I think you should have an experience of that yourself, right? So I would say before starting to um, maybe invite people in on a large scale or, or set this up as a ministry, you know, that you would have an experience of that yourself um, that could come into the form of, of a leadership team or, or a particular, you know, ministry within your parish. But I would say, making individuals to uh, praying about, hey, who could I experience, you know, uh, the life of faith with? Um, and, and could I invite them into being a part of a small group with myself 
or I'm being challenged to to pray, to grow, to give witness, to to share testimony. So I'd say first and foremost, that that would be important, right? That we are experiencing um, growing in the faith <laughs> with a group. Um, and then second, I, I, if you have the ability to um, to get um, individuals together and think about, hey, if the Lord is calling us to connect on a deeper level through small groups, what is going to be our, our best approach to do that? I would just say um, that that would be key. And then you can pray and think about, okay, what are the key steps that that we should take as a parish um, to um, to have? Uh, you know, if the Lord wants maybe one started this year, you know, get one up and running. Or if he's saying, gosh, the, the Lord, I feel is really calling us to do this on a much larger scale at our parish. You know, we can pray and think about what the strategy might be to to build up some of those leaders, form some of those leaders, invite people into experiencing this in a different way. You know, as you say that, Calvin, I can't help but be drawn back to um, the the description of the early church in Acts of the Apostles, right? Acts two forty two. There's this. There's these four things that the early Christians devote themselves to. Of course, the, you know the breaking of the bread, the prayers, the teaching of the apostles. But there's this one in there, fellowship, which is which is listed. Which sometimes we don't like. We don't. I don't know. We don't, we don't imagine that that, that matters as much as, you know, teaching and the celebration of the liturgy and, and prayer, but it's kind of this essential part of the Christian life. And if we want, if we want to, if we want to go on mission, if we want to be fruitful, like the apostles, well, the, the fellowship thing might be worth, yeah, might be worth bringing, bringing back into the picture. I mean, I was struck earlier when you were talking about you know, your, your priest friend who asked the guys, how many of you had a moment high or low and you had no one to share with? I don't think that's just a pandemic 2020 reality. I think if you ask that question in 2018 or 17 or 16, people would say the same thing. I mean, we're, there's this desperate, I mean, we're all lonely and desperate, some of us more than others, but like everybody is experiencing uh, this kind of breaking of fellowship and a loss of communion. I love what you're referencing there. And I think uh, certainly the relationship aspect, the fellowship aspect is a key, you know, part of, of why small groups are effective and so essential. You know, you, you look at the early church, right? As soon as Christ started interacting with his disciples, you can look in Luke chapter four, you know, his uh, cast your nets into the deep. The first response of the apostles was to beckon to their friends in the other boat to come and help them. You know, immediately you see Christ calling them to, to, labor together to to be in relationship together as they start um, pursuing him and following him. And, and there was a statistic not too long ago um, that I read where it said the average American has not made a new friend in five years. The average American has not made a new friend in five years. And what an incredible opportunity for us as a church um, who understand the significance, importance of relationships uh, to step into that arena and say, this is this is an area that we have to um, connect with people. This this culture of isolation and being alone, and um, I think small groups provide again a consistent and intentional way for people to come together and, and form relationships um, in the pursuit of Christ. What's the difference between like these groups that you're talking about to a I don't know, card club? I mean, there's plenty of card clubs out there in Crofton, Nebraska, even in Norfolk, Nebraska. I've played a little pitch myself there in uh, in, in Norfolk. Um, why is that a is that the type of group you're talking about? What's the difference? Yeah, that that's a. 
I wanted to say that's a great question. That's a dumb, no, that's, it is a great question. <laughs> you know, so I, I think those groups certainly have a place in our world. I, there was, I don't tell the CDC, but there was, you know, 18 men over in my garage this last Monday playing. Uh, it's a 20 playing, car garage. It's a 20 car garage. <laughs> playing pitch, uh, you know, so uh, there's certainly a place for just real fellowship and people to, to come together. Um, I would say uh, at, the, at the heart of uh, a small group that's rooted in a church, I come back to three topics continually, um, our relationship, our identity, and our mission. And that just being continually intertwined in the conversations that take place within these small groups, that people would be reminded of their relationship with the Lord and with each other first and foremost, that they would be rooted in their identity as Christ. And then that, um, that this would be a place where people were called out of lukewarmness and complacency and continually encouraged in their missions. Um, and so, yeah, you do see uh, as, as small groups have, they're not, foreign to Northeast Nebraska. Um, but if, you know, a card club or even a church small group, if they're, um, aren't continually bringing to the forefront, you know, what does Christ desire for a group and how is it that we're growing, um, as individuals in our relationship, our identity, our mission, um, they can pretty soon replicate that of just a card group. And I think we would want more for, uh, for our groups than that. And I think we're made for more than that. And so God willing that these groups would help um, set people to recognize, um, I guess, yeah, again, their relationships, their identity, and the missions that they're called to. So what would that look like in a, an outline of topics? Like, what I mean, so what, what do they talk about? So you're playing cards. Okay, put the cards aside. And you're, yep. you, okay, let's talk about relationships, identity, and mission. Is that really what they're doing? Or are there topics? Or are there curricul- was there curriculum or content? What, what, are, what do they do during a small group if they're not playing cards? So there would be, you know, there is a slew of resources out there um, that people could choose um, to help guide them in those topics. So you could literally just Google Catholic Bible studies or just Bible studies or small group resources right now, and you'll have hundreds of, of options available to you. And, and so I'd say the, the deeper thing there is, is having leaders that are convicted that those are important topics to go after, right? That uh, uh, growing in prayer, growing in relationship, growing your identity, growing your mission, like those are significant things that need to be in the forefront of our groups. And then um, you can have uh, resources available to you to help guide those conversations. And I've been in, um, you know, since my time, you know, in college, I've led or been a part and taught, I I mean, I can honestly say probably nearly a hundred small groups. And I would say striking the balance for me um, is I've been a part of groups that they say, hey, we have these 12 questions and we have an hour and we need to get through all 12 of these questions. So like, let's stick to it. And, um, and there's resources out there that is just super easy to follow. We have this question, this question, this question. And then you have the other side where it's like, hey, um, the Bears won the game on Monday and that's going to be our topic for tonight. Let's talk about the offense and defense. Uh, you, you. And so we want to strike the balance of that, I would think, in our small groups where we say, okay, we... Um, want to be pointed um, towards a higher reality, um, towards a relationship, our identity, and our mission. But we also want to leave the space where people can bring their real experiences, uh, their real hurts, their real excitements. Just this morning, uh, an individual in my men's group uh, had had a baby. And so he was able to text our men's group and just say, hey, you guys had a first baby. And we were all able to celebrate and rejoice. And I imagine all of our wives are now making lasagnas to bring over there. But uh, uh, we leave that space in our, men, our, our, in our group to not just, hey, we focus on these things, but we try to leave the space to celebrate 
and share, uh, you know, the happenings of our life together. Yeah. Encourage one another for sure. Kevin, you, you kind of alluded to this, but can you be just like the role of the leader? Can you just talk about that for a little bit? Because it doesn't seem like the real shortage is materials. You know, that, that's often where I think it's kind of the Catholic instinct. Our mind goes We're like, all right, what are we going to talk about? What's the content? What are the materials? What's the curriculum? Um, but there hasn't been, I mean, for decades now, there hasn't been any shortage of quality materials, yet we still don't, in, in most places, we don't see a flourishing of small groups, despite the fact that, you know, we could pile up small group resources. What, what's the role of the leader? So I, I would say, yeah, the, the first thing that people ask me when I bring up the topic of small groups or, uh, you know, maybe if, if the Lord is asking them to lead in a new way or interact with people, the first thing that people usually ask is like, well, what's the resource that I can use and what's the material that you're going to give me? And I think it just kind of points to what, what you're saying, Jim, maybe the people's immediate reaction is to like, uh, uh, to, to shy away because they, they need to have a confidence in what it is that they're presenting. And I would say the, the importance of actually just forming leaders that what they're being called into is forming relationships with others in order to aid them to be able to grow in a relationship and their identity and their mission. And, and I would say it's important for parish leaders, for staff leaders, for those um, in our communities to, to constantly have our eyes on how is it that we can form people as disciples so they can more fully live their missions. And um, I'm not saying every leader in the church needs to be leading a small group. Um, but I would say that small groups are transfer transformative. And so we need to be making adjustments in our church to be able to form leaders in a way that they would feel confident and convicted and um, willing to step up and accompany people in this way. And, and then I guess just the second point to that is like, Jim, a lot of groups will form and they'll say, you know, I don't want to take on the position of leadership or, you know, let's just have us five get together and, and nobody will kind of be the point. And I think just when you don't have a leader stepping up and continually praying about the direction of the group, um, then you just also oftentimes feel like it just becomes stagnant or there's a, there's a continued questioning of, okay, what's the direction of our group? Um, so I think it would be important for a leader to um, not just... Uh, solely take ownership of the of the trajectory of your group, but um, but be willing to um, c continue to pray and think about okay where is the Lord taking us in our group and um, asking the the members of it to to discern that with you uh, and then setting the trajectory. So that's maybe a nice that's maybe a nice uh, transition here because you know like beep, full disclosure this moment of honesty here like. We believe so strongly in small groups. We've put together uh, some training and in particular, an initiative around Lent so that leaders um, and people who don't yet think of themselves as leaders can be equipped to lead a small group. Uh, we want to we go after that. Can you talk a little bit about that, that initiative and some of the efforts to equip people? Yeah, I think um, two and a half years ago when I moved back, um, just recognized that parishes kind of had a trend of handing out books and, and gifting people things, you know, at during key seasons, whether that's Easter, Lent, or um, during the Christmas season. And just thought, uh, I started asking the question like, hey, are, are people going through these things together? And outside of a, a handful of pastors just saying, well, you know, I've gathered a group, big group of people to go to, to, to journey together over these six weeks, or no, everybody just takes 
takes them and kind of does them on their own. Uh, like you were speaking to Jim, when you saw an mm-hmm. opportunity here of well, why, how, how could we equip some people to, to feel more confident to not just consume these things themselves, but enter into relationships here and enter into relationships that are pursuing Christ in a way that's being either, you know, led through, um, this resource that they've been given, or, um, you know, we've created some resources since then to hopefully empower people to, um, not just journey during this time alone, um, but hopefully feel confident that they could walk with others, um, and do so in community, um, together. So you're going to be doing some training and we have been doing some training here in the archdiocese for how to lead a small group. And I know here at St. Thomas More and St. Joan of Arc, we, uh, are endeavoring to move forward with this because we, we want small groups to be a part of this life transforming experience for people to, to grow. But I, I know I have a lot of questions too. Like, and I know they're going to have a lot of questions and that problem. I don't know if they're going to be answered in the, in the training. So I'm just going to ask you since you're here. Perfect. And, and of course they're going to be great questions. So you don't need to tell me. I was going to say, if they're not great questions and I'm not answering them, just so you know. <laughs> Um, so I think, uh, we've been recruiting actively and I think we have about 25 people who are going to be trained as leaders. Uh, so I'm pretty excited about that between the two parishes and then, but I, but when they come back here, they might ask the question, well, what are we supposed to do now? And when do we start? And how do you, how do you even form a small group? Like does father put something in the bulletin or do we, do we just start it ourselves or what would be your, your answer to those questions? It's great Great questions. Well, hopefully all of those questions would be answered at the training themselves. So the the training that people would be invited to, so we have five options available uh, this year. So one in Wynock, one in Columbus, um, uh, one in Omaha at St. Stephen the Martyr, and then uh, two virtual trainings that people could attend. And so at those trainings, people are going to receive a lot of information crammed into two and a half hours. So we just kind of say it's a crash course um, on, on the why behind small groups, the practicals of small groups, and then um, you know hopefully setting people up to have a confidence and a conviction to uh, that they have the ability to lead and then being able to point them to the right places where they can have the answers to those questions father jeff like i mentioned earlier one of the first things that people ask is like what are we going to go through and what's going to be available to us to to lead and so we've created three resources that we feel really confident um point to christ and are easy for people to follow they're lexio based uh resources so one's called encounter one's called mercy and one's called mission and those are six-week studies that are available to anybody um, who, who is in attendance and, and even to those who aren't in attendance of those trainings um, to be able to journey with a group throughout the Lenten season. But we don't limit people to just using those resources. And so if a pastor and, and parish leadership say, you know what, we feel like what's going to be best for our community is everybody going through this book, or we would want, you know, our leaders to have this resource available to them. We, we, we wouldn't, wouldn't want to restrict people to the, the resource that we give them. Um, and, and I would say, um, I would usually actively deter from telling people like, hey, you have to do this resource here now. I would want to, um, on the onset, set people up to just be actively discerning what's best for our group, what's best for people to have a deeper relationship, uh, a deeper um, rooting of their identity and a deeper mission. And so if we can train our leaders to to learn how to actively discern what's going to be best, 
they're going to be able to do the research then to, research then to find the best resources that will that will aid their group. Uh, that takes some time though, um, and that might not be received, I guess, right away in this training. Um, but hopefully, we're setting people up um, to continually have that active discernment of how they can best serve their group. Well, if I were a small group leader, how would I know if I'm doing well? Like, That's a great question. <laughs> oh, son of a gun. That's a great question. How do I know? Well, well, you need to be committed to a life of prayer. And, and I tell you what, I've walked away from most of my studies. I, I joke, the first study I ever led, we talked about how we're feeling about how we're feeling for about 45 minutes and <laughs> for six weeks straight, just because I didn't have a clue what I was doing. And, you know, it takes some trial to error and, and error. And if I, um, if I didn't continually come back to the Lord and say, Lord, I'm just trying to faithfully serve you. And I need you to confirm that this is the, the right direction for me. Um, yeah, I would have been incredibly discouraged. So first and foremost, we need want people to, to know the necessity of having an active prayer life and having that affirmation coming from the Lord. Um, and then uh, number two, we don't want people to journey alone. So um, even now, after I've led numerous Bible studies, I always have a co-pilot and I always have a wingman that journeys with me. So I'm always bouncing ideas off of him saying, Hey, how do you think that went? What could we do differently? Hey, I was thinking about doing this book next. Do you think that's right for our group? And so we really try to instruct people in these trainings, how to find a wingman, um, how to pick them. And, and that would be a person that you can um, continually bounce off uh, ideas off of engage, you know, is this going as we think Christ would want it to? when you're training someone who's eventually able to lead their own group, you know, all, all they initially, they're just kind of accompanying you and, and assisting in the leadership. And I, I think what I love about, I mean, I, I don't know where, you know, what people's perceptions of small groups are, but I think oftentimes people think it's, Oh man, this is, this is big and hard and I'm going to have to be a teacher. And again, you can use whatever materials you want, but the ones that we have highlighted are so easy to use. Just being present in it is enough to set you up to be able to uh, lead your own group. And so people who serve as a wingman, they're, they're then able to, to set out and to, to lead their own group. Mm -hmm. Kevin, can you talk a little bit about those, those materials? Those are something that we developed in-house. Why, why did we do that? I mean, we said earlier in the podcast, you could stack up, you know, all of the small group resources available right now. Um, I mean, it's overwhelming. You could never get through them all until, you know, you could be in a small group till Jesus comes back uh, and still have only, you know, whatever, touched a fraction of the material available on form.org. So like, how do you, like, wh why did we write more material? So, you know, as Father Jeff stated earlier, like, uh, what's the difference between this and a card club, right? We, we want to utilize these groups to hopefully point people to the most important thing. And, uh, you know, as Christians, we're convicted that Christ speaks to us through scripture. And, and although there's uh, numerous topics out there, uh, uh, or studies out there available to us that can point us to a lot of realities of Christ, uh, we wanted to make sure that people um, uh, had an easy resource with simple passages and questions that would be easy to follow where they could point people to Christ in a really simple way. And so they're mm -hmm. Lexio based studies where you get to pray through scripture together as a group, um, and hopefully draw out, you know, how it is that Christ is, is present in those scriptures and, and being able to make those connections to people's lives and then having simple quest follow-up questions, um, for, for people to enter into discussion around those pieces of scripture. 
And, and although, you know, there's resources out there that are Lexio based, um, we just found that, um, you know, if we could create some around um, our particular archdiocesan themes of encountering Jesus, equipping disciples and living mercy, um, that that would be a benefit to the people in our archdiocese as a whole. And so the three resources that we have available um, are called encounter, <laughs> uh, mission and mercy. Um, so, you know, walking people through particular areas of scripture that have emphasis um, on encountering Jesus about uh, how he lived mercy and then the mission that he calls us to. If you come to those trainings or you'll be able to find those uh, equipped at our Omaha.org. Um, we'll put them in the show notes. Gift. Great. Yeah, it, it's shocking. I mean, how how hard it is, even amongst you know Catholic Bible studies, small group resources. How many of them? Well, the leader is ends up doing a lot of talking, and mm-hmm. the the scriptures end up kind of taking a back seat. Um, mm-hmm. And these man, the the word of God is very front and center, and Jesus does most of the heavy lifting. Which I think has has partially what it, what it, what makes it so easy for people to lead. Mm-hmm. Calvin, what else would people learn if they come to one of these trainings? Like, what else will they take away? Well, Jim, you you referenced just there. Uh, I think a big fear for a lot of people. Well, how do I get conversation going in my group? How do I how do I lead? Or what do that... I do if I have someone who won't <laughs> shut up? Yeah, who won't shut up, or nobody will talk, and 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 there's a lot of those fears on the onset. So we try to address some of those issues. You know, giving people the ability to say like, "Hey, this is a way to ask good questions." And um, again, we only have two and a half hours, you know, for these trainings, so we don't try to cram everything in. Um, but giving people some tips and to be able to do that well. And I, I, you know, just this week in my men's group, I had to pull somebody aside and say, Hey, I love when you share. Uh, but if you go on a 10 minute tangent about the things that you're convicted of, it prevents the other members of our group from being able to share. So would you mind helping me form really good questions in order to help the other members of our group, you know, dig a little deeper? And so I guess just around those topics of, of how to guide conversations well, we want to set people up after this training and during this training to, to have a confidence that they would be able to do that. And uh, you certainly won't have it mastered after this uh, you know, initial training, but hopefully setting people up um, to, to feel like they can grow in it um, as they set out on this journey of being a leader and bringing people together around these topics. So they'll know how to like draw in. I mean, part of what they're going to learn is like, this is how you draw in other people. This is how you like put, you know, play that traffic cop role, put, you know, some people like, okay, would you just wait a little bit? Now let's let other people share. They'll learn some of that. Yeah, that's that's a tip, a tip and a trick that we we like to call like the traffic cop, right? Like you're going to have to direct conversation away of stopping some people from speaking and encouraging others to uh, to, to speak, much like a traffic cop would do, you know, at a um, at a stop sign. Uh, but I would say, even if that was explained to me in the initial, uh, you know, as I set out to lead my first Bible study, it is still so hard to navigate uh, that first time that you're leading, and so. Um, we want to give people the principles of being able to navigate those conversations well. Um, but more than that, we want to convince them and, and help them to be convicted that they can set out on that journey to learn and grow as a small group leader, um, that they do have the ability to lead conversations. Well, it's just going to take some practice and some time. Okay. So where do people go? If they want to register, if they want to come to one of these trainings, where do they go? That's great. You can go to archomaha.org slash Lent to register 
register register uh, it's archomaha.org slash lent um, and then there's a facebook page if uh if you were to just google live lent together um uh, at the archdiocese and it's an archdiocesan facebook event you'd be able to find it there um, and see the times available uh, for people to uh for people to attend the training and then the gift of having zoom available this year and offering some virtual trainings um, is we'll be able to record those trainings and so if people can't can't make one of the live events, uh, they would be able to watch that recording later. It certainly would be ideal for people to make, you know, the live event so there can be some interaction, some question and answer um, uh, that they might have. But if they can't, hopefully they'll be able to receive the, the recording later on the Equip site. Okay. So one more time, where do they go to register? Archomaha.org slash Lent. This is really just a teaser, right, Jim? I mean, there's a lot, lot more to learn. Obviously there's the training, but we could probably use some of these, uh, some future podcasts to, to get into more depth and details and maybe even share success stories. There's a thousand topics of just small groups, right, Jim? Oh, great point, Father Jeff. Great point. Yeah, not a question. <laughs> great point. No, there, I mean, there were so many people who last year and, you know, last year was a tough year, but last year and the year before who led small groups for the first time, they use these materials and it was it was beautiful. So yeah, we need to we need to have some people on to share their share their stories, share some of the fruit. Uh, there were already yeah, just really beautiful things. We're we're really hoping this can be a movement. You know, like God willing, uh, how cool would it be if in the Archdiocese of Omaha, getting together with each other around the Word of God were as an ordinary part of Lent as as fish fries. Like that's right. That's the goal that this is like <laughs> that gathering around the word of God and getting people together, experiencing fellowship and life together, that that's, that's just what we, that's what we do. That's just as part of our Lent. Um, and, you know, and we fry fish and drink beer. <laughs> Thank you for being with us. Um, again, we'll have uh, links also in the show notes to, uh, to those, uh, those studies uh, encounter and mission and mercy and we'll have links to register uh, if you want to register for those, uh, those training sessions. Calvin, thank you for being with us. Thanks for taking care of all things uh, rural here for the Archdiocese. And uh, thanks for being with us, everybody. 